And we are back for another episode, episode 64, and we are yes. the, Run the Run Duo. Duo. I am Tommy Mitchell. And I am India Cook. What's up? What's, what's up? What's up? up? What's up? We made it another two weeks. That's what's up. We did. <laughs> How's Listen, it going, India? How, how, them, how well. them trails? How them trails? You know, India, I actually, because the other day I ran in the afternoon. Uh-huh. And about, well, it wasn't even the afternoon. It was like just later in the day and about killed myself. What time do you run? Because I was seeing you posting like you running in the hot, hot sun. Yeah, so I lately, because I have been a stalker of the Weather Channel, just to get my miles in. Well, let me say this. Last month, I had a goal to run 60 miles in a month. So I, I had to get the miles in. Mm-hmm. Um, so some days I am doing a lunchtime run. So it is midday between noon Ooh. and 2. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's usually Ooh. pretty hot. But if not, pretty I'm hot. running... Yeah, it's hot as hell. So, but if not, I'm running in the evening majority of the time. But while the, before the sun goes down and I'm finishing up like right when like the sun is going down and it's almost dark. So, yeah. You know what? And I think I said the same thing to you last year because I would say the same. thing. like, how are you running? Because literally most of my runs, the sun's not even up. I run, you know, that early, mainly because I like to run in the morning. And also, you know, we got two runners in the house. So, Somebody right. got to, you know, do, get up really early to get their run in. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, um, yeah, I had to run in the afternoon the other day because Heather went to climb the mountain. So, you know, I sat and watched Trey. Man, that heat about kicked my Yes. Butt. It was you ridiculous. You know what? I'll tell you this. It is ridiculous. And I'll tell you this. I literally had to, every summer, I tell myself that I'm not going to be mad at the heat. But, like, this heat does not hit the same way as when we were little kids. Like, this uh, sun is so brutal. But I, you know what? Honestly, Tommy, I have to really tell myself that it's okay. Like, I am, my paces are a little bit, you know, not as speedy as I would like them to be. But at the end of the day, when fall comes, I'm going to feel better because I'm training in yes, the heat. So yes. That's when I them, them, them uh, that pace, that time starts dropping. When the yeah. cool, that cool air, so you're yes. you're correct. That's what I think too. Because this, even when I run and the sun's not up, the humidity is like ninety nine percent. Ridiculous. Um, it's just ridiculous, and I'm and all I can think is, okay, around October though, this yeah. you know my feet really gonna be hitting this pavement because mm-hmm. I'm used to running in this this humidity. Um, yeah. Now I'm actually going through something else because you know we got the uh we both got uh Hoka uh shoes from mm-hmm. from you know one of our guests um. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm torn because I'm running in the Hoka's, and yeah. I'm still I, my other pair are Brooks. Okay. And they're so different because of that stack mm-hmm. height. Um, yes. Because usually I will run with three different brands of shoes, and it doesn't bother me. Like I'll run, I'll have a pair of Asics, I'll have a pair of Brooks, you know, uh, uh, um, I'll have a pair of Mizuno, and and do a whole training cycle with all three of them. But these two are so different. I got to pick one or the other, and I'm in the middle of it right now. I'm not sure yeah. which way I'm going to go yet. Yeah, so I have a couple Hoka friends. So between Shawana White and Eric Logan, they're like, how are the Hokas? How are the Hokas? And I'm like, I'm still in pain <laughs> when I'm running them. And I'm like, <laughs> I just, you know, I think I, honestly, I think I've accepted that they just may not be the shoe for me and it may not be that particular shoe maybe not the brand necessarily but that shoe yeah Um, because I don't want to continue running in pain and then you know hurt myself because of something so 
I, yeah, it's, it's been a transition and I, I agree with you. Sometimes I think transitioning stack height is, is a little bit different. You know, maybe if a shoe was kind of similar, you, you probably may not feel such a big difference. Yeah. I mean, I, that's what definitely it is. And I just, cause I, I mean, like every other day I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and bear, uh, buy another pair of Brooks. And then I'm like, ah, oh, no, well, no. And I'm like, no, I, I'm gonna go ahead and buy another pair of Hoka. Cause I gotta have two, you know, at least two pair of shoes uh to train in so uh, i'm not sure mm -hmm. what i'm gonna do i'm, I'm kind of in a dilemma right now but before we get too far into the episode we got a great guest yes, yes uh, Dr. we do Dr. danny she's gonna come on yes. a little bit later um yes. you know kind of you know give her give a little accolades um india tell us tell the people a little bit about her yeah so dr danny um is actually a doctorate of physical therapy so she is a physical therapist she's usatf level one running coach she has her own um practice here in atlanta in the east excuse me in the old fourth ward area called air pt to pr um she she's just amazing individual she's a boston qualifier and runner um, and she is just awesome. So she has just everything. And of course, I can't forget, she's also Atlanta Track Club ambassador with me. Yes. So I can't forget that aspect. Cannot that forget that. So she's going to be coming on a little later. We have a great conversation with her. So we'll stay tuned for that. Also, yes. before I get too far into it, I want to say uh, happy anniversary to uh, Black Men Run. Um, this is an organization that, you know, I've run with in the past as well, started by Jason Russell and, and Edward Walton. Um, it's their seventh year anniversary, so congratulations to those guys. Um, really appreciate what you guys do. Um, give a place for, like, what we talk about all the time, representation, seeing people who look like you. They have group runs all across the country where you can go and run with people who look, or men that look like you, um, and mm -hmm. they're no man left behind kind of philosophy where they're Definitely. not going to leave anybody behind. They're going to have somebody finish with you. So congratulations, you guys. Happy anniversary. Um, mm -hmm. JT Hale, he's the captain here in Atlanta. Um, check him out. Uh, it's definitely worth it, especially if you're just getting started running and you're a little nervous about going to just any old run group. They're a good mm -hmm. place to go. Definitely, definitely. Like you said, no man left behind. They're definitely a very welcoming organization and, you know, just getting you into the run experience. And if you're trying to find a good run group that you can feel like you have a place, um, I think it's a great start. Definitely, so congratulations. definitely. We, and we've interviewed quite a few uh, people that run with Black Band Run, so mm -hmm. definitely very familiar with them. I myself uh, used to run with the Atlanta crew uh, here uh, when they used to be in Piedmont Park a lot of times, so definitely very right. familiar with them. Awesome. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So, of course, I want to mention this because I know we were just talking, Tommy, about running in the heat um in my last youtube episode i definitely talked about summer running and some of the hacks because you know summer running is different than winter running we have, we we deal with different struggles yes yes so definitely different struggles so definitely check that out guys if y'all want some hacks and tricks when it comes to summer running because it's it's hard out here in these streets when it's <laughs> the heat and humidity in hills is, yes it's going on <laughs> most definitely most definitely all right. So something else, um, Tommy, that I'm really excited about. Um, so, of course, in the media, there has been a lot of conversation and you and I have had the conversation in regards to representation. Um, now, I know that a lot of the conversation has been around representation, around representing African-Americans or Black people in the media, as well as like our previous guest, um, who was a Native, um, and our guest today is Peruvian and just having different people and making sure that 
different ethnicities and backgrounds are represented. But I think there's a lot of companies that are also seeing that body types and body shapes are also don't have the representation that that they should. So Wazelle is an apparel, female apparel running running company um, that actually just announced that they have increased their sizes on their clothing to plus size clothes. And they have a slogan that says every body is an athlete. Um, And I think that that is just strong and very exciting because I feel like, you know, of course, you know, Tommy, when you see a lot of the magazines and just different things that go on in regards to running, you always see this super lean and fit young lady or young man or a muscular man. And they're not, you know, that's not the full representation of what runners actually look like. True. That is true. So I think that Wazelle, thank you for taking that, that stuff. And I know that Nike also had already kind of launched uh, plus size sizes, but it is really good and refreshing to go into stores to see plus sizes. And they are, they, Wazelle goes up to size 26. Um, and being able to also see plus size mannequins, like that is a huge jump and kind of helps you to ensure that you are, have body, body inclusion and understanding that every, every, everybody can be a runner if they would like, or if they, you know, physically can. Um, and it's not, section to just small individuals and lean individuals yeah and i mean in india that is something that i think is great because on the men's side it's not quite as bad as it is on the woman's side as far as finding mm-hmm. sizes um you know and i don't know if it's because they feel like all all size men work out and they just don't think all size women did um and mm-hmm. they're finding out they were wrong that there is you know that every size woman does work out but um, mm-hmm. I think it's great that a company has seen that because it, it does take a little bit of an investment for them to say, well, I'm gonna, we're going to put out these kinds of sizes because they're investing in that actual product and putting it on the shelves. And if, it's not, right. if it doesn't sell, you know, that's a loss for them. For, so it's great that they're seeing that there is people out there that will purchase those larger size or you know, uh, um, outside what they consider the norm at one time for mm-hmm. athletic gear. Yeah. And I think it's obviously people are asking for it and people are probably putting them to, you know, putting them to kind of holding them to the the acknowledgement that it's needed. Um, I think when companies put themselves in a box of only selling up to a certain size, it, it cuts off their ability and it cuts off a whole nother audience or, you know, imp- another, what's the word, another buyer, like it's cutting yeah. them off to that. Um, I know that's something I thought about, like, for example, uh, Express, like at one point Express was only doing certain number in their jeans. And like, I knew that if I got to that top number, it was time for me to get my life together because I can no longer (laughs) (laughs) fit in my Express jeans. But now they have, you know, they've, they've widened that, that scope. And I think that that's awesome. And of course there's specialty stores for plus size women, but that's a whole nother thought process and mindset when you have to go to a specialty quote I'm quoting but a specialty store to buy your clothes like why can't these sizes be all in one store and not having stores that are for a larger size exactly exactly so I applaud them as well yes for sure for sure So over the weekend, Tommy, I had a little bit of time on my hands and Braxton and I watched the HBO special, The Weight of Gold. Wait a minute, Um, y'all, y'all, y'all had, because I saw y'all all all downtown, all up on the (laughs) belt line. 
And then y'all had time to go home and watch movies. Look at y'all. That's a, y'all got a good weekend going. But go yeah, ahead. I'm we, sorry. <laughs> we had a good weekend. Um, I definitely mentioned, I told him, I said, you know, I really want us to be able to kind of get out and about because we, we, you know, you get into this quarantine thing, you watch movies, binge watch shows, and I'm like, let's go for a walk. And honestly, this weekend, Tommy, I said, you know, I was taking a rest weekend. Once I hit my 60 miles, I was like, I'm going to rest. So I'm not going to run this weekend. But of course, I really wanted to. So I was like, instead of going for a run, let's go for a nice walk and let's go to another area um, in a scenic area. Uh, so we decided to go down to the Beltline in Atlanta and, you know, see some of the Black Lives Matter, uh, the the murals and the, the mm. graffiti and stuff that was down on the Beltline. And it was really refreshing. So a good way to get out. We still did four miles, but we walked it and just enjoyed the atmosphere. What was uh, the the crowd like um, when you went out there? Well, we went at like seven thirty ish, almost eight, and so we went really early. So it was enough people out, though. Like you mm-hmm. know, we had our gators um, for our our neck gators to put around our face as our masks. But it was enough people out, and like when we were finishing up, we I was like, yeah, this is why I can't do. I don't do the belt line often. I like the belt line, but you're you're usually dodging people specifically if you're running or riding a bike you're going to be dodging people when it's beautiful outside because it's going to be a lot of people out there yes that is true. so you that got strollers and dogs and and they don't have specialized lanes for bikers and stuff like that so it's one of those things where you know you have to be prepared to be dodging people that are casually walking or dodging you know any anything else so and while we and I know we're going to get to uh, the to the uh, documentary, but while we're on the subject of being out and about, have you been to um, the trail since uh, since everything opened? Well, since it since it opened back up. Which trail? Um, see, if you Silver Comet, I'm sorry. Yeah, Silver Comet Trail. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been out there. I usually go every weekend. OK, how is that as far as crowds? Um. Let's just say weekend before last, I went out there for my six or seven that I did. And at 6.45, it was popping. 6.45 a.m. Like, so a lot. And what I mean by that, it was obviously a lot of cyclists. So Silver Comet is a a trail here in Atlanta that can go from Atlanta all the way to Alabama. And so there's a lot of cyclists. So a lot more cyclists. And the later that you're, you're out there, it is busy. But something that I like about Silver Comet is that it's a little the 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 paved the paved path is a little bit wider, so you have the ability to go around someone and be six feet apart and like dodge people. Whereas in comparison to the Beltline, it's a lot smaller and thinner, so it's kind of hard to dodge people. Yeah, I, yeah, I quit. I'm I'm planning on using because I have a half marathon virtual race that I'm gonna be doing here in August. So I think I'm gonna go out to Silver Comet and do it. Just because I want to be able to just straight out, straight back kind of thing. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to find a trying to find a path. I thought about going into town and and running the uh, Thanksgiving Day half marathon route, but uh-huh. you know what? This is the middle of the summer, so right? <laughs> I, I'm thinking yeah. maybe not. Maybe I'll just go out and you know, because you know, a lot of the Silver Comet Trail is kind of has a canopy. Um, oh yeah, majority it, so, of the yeah. yeah the trees have definitely grown over the trail, so majority of the trail is shaded, um, and so that's something that I love about it. I mean, of course, you're going to still get hit by the humidity, yeah, um, but you're not getting direct heat, and I think that's something that I love about Silver Comet is because you're not 
you're able to get that shade. Whereas if you are in open street, you're going to be getting beat up by the sun. Straight, straight so. heat. I didn't mean to disturb you. Go on. Let's let's get to the documenting. Come on, let's talk about no, it. No, it's okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> you're totally fine. So the weight of gold um, is a basically a sports documentary, and it talks about and explores mental health challenges that Olympic athletes often face. Um, so it basically talks about the time of the COVID-19 pandemic, which of course we're still going around going on, and how it postponed the actual 2020 Tokyo Games. Um, and it talks about how a lot of the athletes are dealing with the transition and just how it, ex it has exacerbated a lot of mental health issues. So for me, being a previous mental health specialist, I was all in when it came to this documentary, Tommy. I was really, really excited to watch it. I, I know. And, and, and as I was watching it, because she hit me up, um, she texted me, hey, watch this. We can talk about it. So I, I went to watch it and, you know, I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see why India want to talk about this because it, it has yeah. all, it is all, you know, about about mental health. But I'm going to go. And, and I mean, I really enjoyed it, actually. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was I mean, if you go, it's, it's I don't say it's depressing, but there are depressing parts of it. But it's definitely yeah. a worth, it's, it's a good watch. Definitely. So, yeah. So, and I think that the, I don't want to give it away on this episode because listeners, I really want you all to take a, 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 a stab at watching it and, and do what you can. But so this is something that I thought about Tommy when it came to the documentary. So we have had Olympic trial qualifiers. We had Alphine Tulamuk, which is the person that won the Olympic trials that was supposed to be running the Olympics here in, here in 2020 on the show. Now, in the midst of us interviewing them, interviewing her and other athletes, we were able to ask them kind of how they're processing through this quarantine time, right? Yeah. And I think something that we, we mentioned or discussed was majority of the athletes are like, you know, I'm managing, trying to process the downtime. And something that I thought about was, you know, and I know that Alphine brought this up on, on, on her social media, like she mentioned, you know, publicity and how she's not getting, she did not get as much airtime or media interviews and stuff because COVID kind of took over everything and it was just less. Whereas if Tokyo would have continued, she probably would have gotten more publicity as far yeah. as being the, being the winner of the marathon Olympic trials. True. So my thing, when I look, watch this show based, um, Michael Phelps is the person that, that was a commentator. And he also told about his experience, but a lot of the athletes were explaining and, and they were not only, they were some runners. There was, there was, uh, Bob sled Lolo Jones was there. Uh, they talked about, just talked about a lot of different people that were to be a part of the 2020 Olympic Games. But the gist of the documentary was talking about how athletes basically train their entire life to be a part of the Olympics and to make it to the Olympics. And then when that day is then taken away from you and postponed for another year, the depression, the anxiety, the how to do, how to process through life becomes be, begins to be an issue right so people train for years and years and years to get to the olympics and we know the olympics is only four years but there's also majority of these athletes have trained since they were kids to become a part of the olympic and to be able to go and compete in the olympics and of course the day of the olympics is only you know a couple minutes can can dictate your destiny but to actually be in the olympics is a big part of it 
So now that the Olympics have been has been postponed till 2021, the documentary is explaining how a lot of the athletes don't know how to live life. Like they literally are for so many years, they have trained 365 days of the year, ate a particular way, you know, cut off friends and family because training and being an athlete and all that that entails has been their life. And so once the announcement of the Olympics can being canceled was, was, was made, these athletes, Tommy, are like, what do I do? Like, and of course, continue doing some kind of training, but it's like, you're, you're hoping your dream has been taken away. And of course it's still happening in 2021, but now you have a whole year to reprocess, refigure out your training plan and also how to integrate yourself. True. Um, and, and I think the, um, because Michael Phelps is the gentleman that, you know, was doing the narrating. I'm not sure if mm -hmm. he actually, I, I didn't, I don't know if you said this or he actually was the one that put it together, but he was the one that was the main focus of it, which I could mm -hmm. completely understand, you know, but like what you were saying about when you're starting from a kid, it was, it was, I won't say it was hilarious, but it was just funny. Cause he goes like, it was when he saw the documentary himself, like started seeing the tapes, how every mm -hmm. single person sounded just like him. Like when mm -hmm. they were kids, like they were all interviewed when they were like 10, 11, 12, and they all said the mm -hmm. same exact thing. Well, you I know, go I'm going to go to the Olympics. And like mm -hmm. all of them were saying it. And he was like, he was so surprised by that, that he says, you're different. But then again, everybody that does this is kind of the same. And you know what it made me think of mm -hmm. was I'm from Florida. And in Florida, the big thing is football is all these athletes that want to go and play professional sports, whether it be mm -hmm. football, basketball, because that's how they sound. Like if you go and find an interview probably of LeBron when he was 10, he was, mm -hmm. he's probably saying, yeah, I want to mm -hmm. go to the NBA, blah, 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 you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So all these elite athletes, Olympic, you know, professional athletes, they all have that same mindset. But like you said, with the Olympics, it's so much pressure like that conversation. And I mean, I've already, I've heard uh, interviews with Lolo Jones before. And, mm -hmm. you know, she's kind of said the same thing she said on the documentary, but literally that one second, like she mm -hmm. said, she's, she's, and I, I'm sorry, I'm gonna give it away because I can't help it. Cause it was, it was such a poignant <laughs> part of the documentary. She says she's hit a hurdle. What'd you say? Three times? Three times in, in her, her whole career. Whole career. Not just Even in training. a race. Training, training everything mm -hmm. and she hits it in the olympics and that's it yeah and i think that that's the, the 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 a huge part of this documentary tommy is not only were they talking about how the olympic trials not the trials but how the olympics has been postponed and how that dampered a lot of the athlete spirits but they also talked about how you train up for this one day one thing can go wrong for you and you went from a celebrity to a nobody. They said a celebrity to a civilian. So it took Lolo Jones to clip that hurdle that one time. And she explained, like, I'm basically a nobody now. Like, I have went, you know, I've gone to now, like, what did she say? She, she was a bar, uh, a waitress at a, a restaurant. Like you went from being this person being interviewed left and right, because you're going to the Olympics and you have all of these accolades to now you've messed up at one time at the Olympics and now you're nothing or nothing to some people. I mean, I think she's amazing, but nothing to some people. 
and yeah. people don't even recognize you and how now you don't even get the interviews you don't get this and if you do get the interviews all they're doing is talking about your mess up all they're doing is asking about why you did this and like how are you going to recover from that and, and I think the, the biggest thing that these athletes were discussing was I am human just like anybody else you're going to have your bad days. You're going to, you know, things are going to happen. That's just like for us as runners, Tommy, we have our bad days on races where it just doesn't, your legs just don't turn over. Yeah. But I think that we, I think the interesting part about it is that I think we underestimate the mental strength and the things that people go through when you go from being the it factor to now people second guessing who you are and your ability and they they talked about it being a revolving door you do that mess up the next person that's in high school trying to get to where you are is coming to take your place yes exactly yeah that was another thing that they brought home a lot and i mean most of the stuff they talked about i kind of had already imagined just because I, I i do study professional like not study but i pay attention to a lot of professional athletes and one thing mm -hmm. that i did figure out early in my life is professional athletes are just people. They're just people right. who, who have to be talented, but they're people who have probably dedicated their whole lives to be mm -hmm. what they are. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a lot of pressure. Now, I, di I didn't hear it so much in this. I know with professional athletes like basketball players and football players, a lot of times, not only is there stress because from, you know, well, you probably are playing tackle football when you're in the sixth grade or fifth grade or whatever. You've been playing mm -hmm. football since then, and the moment that they figured out that you were better than everybody else, mm -hmm. you have probably been pushed exactly. to do that, which is kind of mm -hmm. what Apollo's dad, he's a speed skater, he kind of, kind of, I mean, he didn't really say his dad pushed him, but his dad did it to keep him out of trouble because, I guess, of his energy level, he was kind of yeah. saying, but basically, you get pushed, and then probably by the time in, like, professional athletes, by the time you're in high school, especially for athletes coming from lower income areas, they mm -hmm. are now the focal point of a community. Right. And, and you're expected to perform. Exactly. And they expect you mm -hmm. to perform and they expect you to get to a certain level so that you can give back to that community. That's a right. lot of stress. Yeah, they definitely mentioned that. Like the pressure to perform continues to go up and that engages even more in a, you know, a mental health struggle because you're like, your anxiety is up. You want to be able to do it. You can't have any mess up. So you be, it, they really talked about the obsessive, obsessiveness of your sport and, your, and, and the things that you do. And it's like, you have to be obsessive about it because if you mess up, it's going to be a problem or you're going to disappoint people. You're going to disappoint fans. You're going to disappoint the organizations that are the sponsorships that you have like it's so much that comes into the whole process and then you know trying to understand the level of support that people have around them as well exactly now what i was thinking as i was watching it was now i of course i have no idea how many people have actually been to the olympics that have been on a u.s team whether that mm -hmm. you know be summer i have no clue of how many mm -hmm. but the 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 amount that were on that documentary wasn't surprising to me it wasn't surprising to me the depression that they go through i mean i get depressed when i finish a marathon like after training mm -hmm. training training take a marathon then it's done i get mm -hmm. depressed so i can't even imagine what it's like your whole life whole life whole life bam olympics and like lolo jones says with track and field it's rare for you to run more than one olympics like mm -hmm. carl carl lewis and ben johnson and some of these other guys that have, you know, done multiple Olympics, that's rare. That's not the norm. 
So mm -hmm. your whole life to get there and now it's over. Even if yeah. win or lose, win or lose, mm -hmm. now it's over. And right. I can't imagine the kind of depression that they must go through and how to deal with it. And the thing that got me was the, the, the speed, not a speed skater, she was a figure skater. She goes, if I hurt my knee, I'm going to have the best knee guy in the world looking at my knee. Mm -hmm. But if I tell you I'm having mental problems, right. they told me to go, go look in the yellow pages, basically. And that's not what she said, but basically that's, that's what they told her. Right. Yeah, and go I think Google that, somebody in your area um, uh -huh. to go talk to about it. Yeah, and I think that that is it's just, it's very unfortunate because there are sports psychologists and sports psychiatrists. Like there's a level of services that are provided specific, particularly for sports individuals, but we don't talk about it enough. We don't give resources enough. Um, that's just like, I know at one point on one of our episodes, we, we talked about Mary Kane and her issues mm -hmm. with like losing her cycle and things of that nature, because she was pushing herself so much to, to meet these standards of her coaches and things of that nature and how she was explaining she needed help. They're giving cries of help, but it's not being, it's not being heard. And I think the issue with that is not only there's a, still a stigma around mental health that needs to be deleted. Um, and there still is a, a concern that there's not enough resources, but I think there are resources, but people are so concerned with expressing that they need help. And then people, when, when they express that they need help, the people that are on that receiving end of that information, if they feel as if it's a stigma, they brush it off. So in this documentary, they were explaining, you know, oh, I've asked for help. I told them that I'm struggling, you know, whatever, whatever, but they're not giving it. And then there's also the opposite end where athletes don't even want to express that they need help in, in fear of losing their position as an athlete, in fear of losing their sponsorships, in fear of being seen as weak. And that's just a whole nother, a, a totally different dynamic, right? Like that's two ends of the spectrum that both need to, the narrative needs to change around mental health because everyone, as much as we are, we go into the discussions about physical health and things that we need to do, mental health is just as imperative. True. Yeah, that, that definitely is. And like you said, I think it has a lot to do with the connotation of mental health um mm -hmm. and also because there are some people that go through the same exact things that you know the worst one you know the worst stuff stress and depression there are some people that go through that and are able to handle it without help like really mm -hmm. in real life they're just regular re ready really can handle it yeah and it's the same thing in society i mean there's a there are many of there are many of us that you know have to get up go to work every day and we can do it mm -hmm. and just kind of deal with it where there's some people mentally the stress gets to them they need to right. talk to somebody and i think that's the problem is you have a group of people that go well i do it what is wrong with you you well, can do it too like it's yeah, not exactly why well, can't i mean if i can do it i mean i know i've said many times like when somebody's complaining like dude i see a woman on the train every day with two kids taking them to this and then going to work why can't you you don't got no kids and you, right. you can't do it what's wrong with you so yeah, I have we can't generalize like people. yeah exactly mm -hmm. so i think that has a lot to do with it also because we don't we we since we're not in their shoes it's hard for us to understand what mm -hmm. what's the problem so you yeah have to listen to, you have to listen to everybody's feelings yeah and i mean getting therapy is not a negative thing um i think people also assume that getting therapy is something that you should get only when you have problems 
uh, uh, therapist is like a sounding board. It's a non-biased sounding board that can just really tell you and help you talk through some things. It doesn't, you know, I call it maintenance therapy, like going to therapy just even when things are not bad, but you know, are you having a little anxiety? Are you worried about things? Let's talk about your next goals. Like whatever it is, Therapy is not a bad thing. It's definitely very healthy. And I think we all just need to treat mental health just as well as we, we treat physical health. Now, and you being with a background in mental health, yes. to you, yes, you go, well, you know, you know, like you were just saying, it's just a checkup. You know, it's not like something has to be bad for you to go to a therapist. That's how you think because you're so familiar with that aspect. But even mm -hmm. somebody who might need it, it's just hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, it it's just, it's hard mm -hmm. for them to even imagine going and talk to somebody that they, you know, maybe just met like five minutes ago. And now I'm supposed mm -hmm. to tell you all my stuff. That's, right. you know, that's something that maybe we need to educate more people on. Yeah. And you know also like figuring out trusting someone, right? Yeah, like trusting exactly. someone and building the trust and rapport is what they call it with your therapist. So, I mean, of course we know that, you know, going into a therapy appointment, you know, there, it is going to be hard. And I think honestly, what we also have to wrap our head around is the fact that when you go to a therapist appointment, you're going to have good therapy appointments that you're going to feel good when you come out of there. And you're going to have appointments where you feel like, you know, you cried the whole time, you know, but I think it's also a level of vulnerability that we have to be okay with. And I think that's another thing is People don't want to go into situations where you're kind of airing your dirty, your dirty laundry. You're airing your, your errors, your weaknesses, your vulnerable spaces. It's a very vulnerable space. And I think once people get over the fear of being vulnerable and expressing their concerns or their needs or their weaknesses, whatever you want to call them to someone, to, excuse me, to someone else, it becomes a little bit easier to go into someone's office and do the same thing. I know a lot of people like to have recommendations from someone because they feel like, okay, you heard that this therapist is, you know, is good with this or, you know, having communication with someone that goes to the same therapist so that you can ensure that you can feel, uh, feel more confident in that person. And a lot of times that's needed, right? Like I know for me, I don't just go to any other doctor, any old doctor. I don't look up my doctors in the in the system and pick a person like majority of my doctors are through word of mouth and so if that needs to happen that helps to increase someone's confidence to go to a therapy session but also for people to understand that you're not laying out your business on the first session like mm -hmm. a lot of times you are you may talk about some of your weaknesses but it takes time to really allow the therapist to get to what the really the root of the problem is as well as you being able to verbalize some of the deep down dark secrets that you may have and it may not be that it could be that you're going into this therapist's office and say you know what i just had a half marathon or a full marathon and i i ran it in six hours instead of four hours like i planned and i don't know how to deal with that you know and, and it and i think that that's what we have to understand is that there's a level of vulnerability that you have to have. You have to trust that this person has your, uh, your, your health in mind and also understand that it, it, good things can come out of it. And you know, you just really have to take it one step at a time and understand it's for the better. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it, and like, um, like you were saying, it's definitely a great watch. 
the documentary. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would definitely recommend it. it like I said, it's, it has its depressing moments, but it's definitely a good watch. It's very eye-opening. Um, very. Very eye-opening to what mm -hmm. Olympic athletes have to deal with. Um, right. The skier, and I can't remember his name, how he talks about how the media builds you up to knock you yep. down. To bring and shuts you, you down as soon as you do it, have something doesn't go right. Well, mm -hmm. his scenario was just so right on, like, build you up, but just have, a, have, have stuff in the background. So if you lose, we got stuff to knock you down. And mm -hmm. then we got another story for you where you get the comeback hero. Like he, right. he was like, this is exactly how they work you. Um, mm -hmm. So it was definitely interesting. And then the, the monetary thing, I mean, which I kind of already knew because yeah. I was like, I just, you know, you don't get paid to go to the Olympics. Um, yeah, I, I want y'all to watch it, but these athletes are not getting paid. <laughs> I mean, I was just like, Wow, because I, wow. mean, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess you could equate it to you know some elite runners that we t deal with, um, that we talk to all the time that they're elite, but they don't really make any money, you know, from running. Mm -hmm. But they're you know they're fast and they go to these different races and you know things mm -hmm. like that. But you know, it, it, it's it's not you know probably paying their bills. They have another job, and that's almost right. how it is for the Olympics. So can you imagine being a top-notch athlete where mm -hmm. you got to train? Um, you know, hours a day, but you still got to go to some other job after right. doing that or before doing that. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, if you don't have the support that you need. And I know Michael Phelps said that if it wasn't for his support, he wouldn't be where he is. Because um, majority of these athletes are working two and three jobs, training extensively um, and just to make ends meet and to reach their goal. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yes, definitely. It's called again the weight of gold. It's on HBO. So definitely check that out. The front part of it uh, is a picture of Michael Phelps. So if you're looking for that, definitely check it out. I think it's something to look at. And just one other thing, um, Tommy, before before we close out, something that I thought about recently because I know that you're a Garmin wearer. I'm a Garmin wearer. Garmin was down for like five days, and that was. And when I say it was down, like it was recording your times, but you weren't able to upload. look at your stats yeah. and upload and transfer your stuff to Strava and all of that stuff. So without like doing a computer connection and everything. But I just really think that when it comes to, and I, I don't know why I thought about this when I thought about the mental health thing, but there were some people that I was seeing on social media that were really struggling because Garmin was down. Like they were not able to, it was, it was, it put them in a very, to me, an unhealthy space of kind of did I do my run? Did it count? Why can't I see what I did? And it's, it's one of those things that I feel like when you, when you get into this space of like being dependent on a, a device to give your worth of a runner, we really need to scale back, right? So like for me, of course, it was frustrating because you're used to doing something consistently and being able to see what you have but at the end of the day, if you did your miles, you did your miles. And I think it's that those type of things, Tommy, that we have to be cognizant about as athletes that can cause us to put us in places of unhealthy mental health and mental stress when it may not be technically necessary, right? So you're putting the stress on yourself because you can't see the stats that you had and then you're worried and frustrated about it. And you know, the amount of comments that I've seen, Tommy, in some of the groups that I'm in, like on Facebook, it was very interesting seeing how many people were like legit angry at the, at the fact that Garmin was Garmin down. 
Well, yes. I mean, that is why I stopped posting runs. That's, well, yeah. I still post them sometimes. And I'm not, you know, if anybody, if you enjoy posting runs, knock yourself out. But I felt myself mm -hmm. feeling stress during right. my run because I was going to need to post it. Like, okay, I'm going to need to take a photo at some point so I can post yeah. it. And, uh -huh. and at one point before I, you know, read up about training, I was worried about the time I was running. Oh, right, exactly. It'd you know, be good enough. Okay, exactly. What, what am I going to do? And I was like, why am I stressing out about this? And I mean, mm -hmm. of course now, I mean, I could care. I mean, I, I could care less what my time is. You, you like it, you don't like it, that's on you. But right. I have, I don't take photos. Because to me, it adds another level of stress to my run. And right. I didn't, I, that's why I don't really post runs as much. And also, I think I told you this once. I, I think I, one year, like my nine top photos were all running photos. And I felt like, okay, I don't like that. I don't want that yeah. to be my nine top photos on Instagram. I want, you know, it to be a cornucopia of my life. So yeah. that's why I kind of got away from it too. But exactly mm -hmm. what you're saying, how people are kind of losing their minds over Garmin, you're adding stress to your life. And that's something that I'm always trying to get away from. Right. When the garment thing happened, I was actually resting my knee, so I didn't notice it okay. until, like, Heather told me. She was like, you know, you can't upload garment. I was like, well, you know, I didn't run, like, I only think I ran two times that week that it was down. Mm -hmm. um, so I really didn't pay any attention to it. But I do remember when I did do my runs and I couldn't upload, I was like, yeah, if this goes on a little longer, this is kind of weird that I can't, yeah, it is you know, definitely look at weird. my, you look at my mm -hmm. stats and, you know, kind of see this and that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. I, I could definitely see they were coming from on that. Yeah, it was definitely like, I'm not going to say I didn't have any concern about it, but it wasn't to the level that I seen other people. I think for me, I was in this 60, I was in this challenge with my run squad and I was like, well, how am I going to prove to you guys that I made the 60 miles? <laughs> and I'm like over here, like literally calculating out my miles from the last time that I synced. Um, and it was kind of one of those things, but I'm like, I know I did it at the end of the day. I know I did the runs. I made it to what I need to make it. And at the end of the day, I'm still staying healthy and staying active. Um, and I think that that's the reason why, too, that sometimes as runners, they say that you should unplug. Like, you should run, or you should run without your watch every now and then so that you don't feel that obligation, so you don't feel like you're running on time. And maybe you'll enjoy those runs when you're not actually clocking yourself. Well, actually, I used to talk about that on when I used to do Shut Up Tommy. I used to talk about that free running, and I used to do one once a week, I remember, where I would just mm. run without my watch or anything. Like, mm -hmm. and I mean, I don't know why I kind of got away from that, but, you know, maybe maybe I'll try that. Maybe I'll go back to doing yeah, it, I one run a week. Needed. Yeah, yeah I, need, I need to do it, too. I mean, I've been running with a Garmin for some years now, and I know that when I transitioned from not having anything, well, I was using Nike Plus app when I first started running, Nike Plus app, I transitioned to a Fitbit watch, would, which would track my runs just like Garmin. But honey, when I increased to that Garmin, it was like a whole nother level of obsession, <laughs> right? So it was yes. like, oh, now I'm legit. I can't go anywhere without my watch. Like if I run without my watch, like it was, it was really bad. And so I think about unplugging and, and running without your watches is really imperative. Yeah, you know what I think I, I probably no, I gotta run tomorrow, but I won't do it tomorrow. But maybe maybe sometime this weekend uh, I'll do a, sure. a run with that one. But, yes. Um, but we got a great guest coming up. Yes, we do. Great conversation and amazing interview. All right, let's bring her on now. All right. So on today's episode of the Run Duo, we have Dr. Daniela. Espino, um, and she is actually a doctor of physical therapy. I am so glad to have her on today. She's yes. also a USTF level one 
running coach. Did you say something, Tommy? I just said yes, but keep going. Oh. <laughs> um, she's also a USATF level one running coach, and she also owns her practice, Air PT to PR. Hello, Danny. Hi, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting and uh, definitely, you know, even better that I that I know you like as, a, as an ambassador. So that's been great. Yes. Great, great to have you on here, uh, Danny. Don't worry about the dogs. We don't care. Okay. You, might hear, you <laughs> might hear my son in a second. So don't even worry about the dogs. <laughs> yes, don't worry about the dogs. But yes, Got Danny, it. you and I know each other personally um, from being uh, Atlanta Track Club ambassadors. And I know that when I first met you, it was always great. It's always great energy and, you know, just learning so much more about you. And I'm glad to have you on the podcast so that the world can hear more about you as well. Thank you. <laughs> yes, of course. So, Tell us, Danny, how you got into running. I know that you did it in high school and the collegiate, um, collegiate level as well, but tell us kind of what that process looked for you, what that journey looked like for you from high school to college. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, basically I uh, kind of fell into running because my PE teacher, he just needed more bodies for the varsity team. Um, and I was in seventh grade at the time. Um, so I just came out. Ended up being pretty decent at it. I sat out my eighth eighth grade year, and then um, my freshman year in high school, um, we had a, a female coach. She was a had been a former collegiate runner, and um, she honestly was the one that you know, from that point forward, became my mentor throughout you know my running career, high school, college, even up till now. Um, and she was really like the pivotal point where I decided I'm gonna quit dancing. So I was a dancer for about 15 years competitively mm. as well. Um, nice. And I, thank you. Yeah. And at, at that point, I decided to, um, you know, just fully commit myself to running um, more so to help my family, um, you know, be able to go to college. You know, at the time, mm. I knew it was something very important. So I my goal in high school was let me see if I could earn a scholarship so that I can help my family out and, you know, still mm. pursue an education. Um, and then, you know, it's been about 20 years after and I'm still running and I have no plans of stopping anytime soon. Yes, it seems like you obviously you you love it and it has been your life and I think that that's awesome. So where did you did you run cross country or track in high school? What what area? Yeah, so I ran I ran both um, cross okay. country and then in track I did the mile, the two mile and then, you know, randomly if they needed someone for like, I remember once I, I ran the 400 um, hurdle relays. Once and last time, because I am not a sprinter in no shape. <laughs> oh. So it's definitely more more the distance side. Um, and then once I came into college, I uh, started running anywhere from the mile to the 3K steeplechase, um, 5K, 10K. Um, so yeah, basically anything distance, that's what I would consider is, is my, my, my area. That's your wheelhouse. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So like now that you are not in college um do you still enjoy i guess the distance running or is there a particular uh between 5k 10k half and full or even ultras like what is your sweet spot what race do you do you absolutely love or distance do you absolutely love yeah so you know after i graduated college i was actually funny enough i was just talking with this um about this with somebody that a lot of college runners don't keep running um and then they asked me like what has kept you you know sort of running mm -hmm. um and, and kind of my answer to that was i just felt like i never fully developed in college um you know reached kind of like my potential what i could be as an athlete um and i feel like ever since i graduated i've continuously continuously have been chasing 
you know, that next PR, call it whatever that might be, right? And that has kind of evolved over time to mean different things for me, um, especially during this time during COVID. But um, my, my definitely, my favorite um, area has been the 5K and I love the half marathon. Um, mm. I definitely run the marathons because it's, it's like, the, it's, you know, I want to, you know, um, do Berlin and do London and keep finishing the, the, the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say the 5K and the half are, are my favorite. Yeah, I think a, a half marathon is a good, it's like a good distance to be able to push yourself and you ha- you should train for it, but it's not like but your body's not breaking down. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can go party after a half marathon, whereas yeah. marathon, you got to go go to sleep or something. So yes, half marathons are yeah. great. Yeah, it's absolutely. definitely a great sweet spot. <laughs> Yes. So you ended up, so you, in college, you, you ran in college. Um, and obviously why, is it correct that while you were in college, you studied to be a physical therapist? What was kind of that about? And, you know, when did you realize that that's something that you wanted to go into? Because obviously you are a doctor, so we have to give her a props, <laughs> Dr. Danny. I'm going to make sure I give her her DR in front of her name. Um, now when I call her, even though it's usually just Danny, but yeah, oh, respectfully yeah. so kind of, what did that look like for you? Yeah, so in uh, in undergrad, I actually um, started as a as a nursing major, and then I I quickly you know switched to biology. So I, I had a, a undergrad in biology, a so bachelor's in biology, and then you know my whole life in college was really just get my degree and run. You know, once you're running in college, it, it truly is like your full time job. Especially if you're running cross country and track, you're training and racing all year. Um, so at that point, um, I knew I actually was a teacher, um, fun fact, I don't know if you knew that. So when I graduated college, um, I taught, um, math and science, um, for three Mm. years and Mm -hmm. the opportunity just kind of presented itself. And then I took a mission trip to Thailand and that's when I knew, and mind you, throughout college, I always knew I wanted to go back to pursue something in the medical field, um, Mm -hmm. whether that was like medical school or physical therapy. And then, um, what really geared me towards PT was um, I had my own per- physical therapist. Of course, I had injuries during college. And this one woman, she was a, a female business owner, private practice, um, one-on-one treatment. And she like really, you know, just showed me what you could build as a career in physical therapy. Um, mm-hmm. So I always credit her like towards guiding me towards becoming uh, a physical therapist. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, kind of backtrack, but by, by the time I was in, in Thailand teaching, uh, volunteer teaching, um, I decided one night, like, this is what I'm gonna do. I came back, took my GRE and started applying to physical therapy school. Um, and then it just kind of went from there. Nice. That is awesome. So now you have your own business and that I is do. Air PT to PR. Mm-hmm. That is super exciting. And I know that you do physical therapy there. And then, like I mentioned in your intro, you're also a run coach. So tell us how you kind of mold those two together and what your practice has to offer. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, Air PT to PR, I, I always say it's called AIDE. Um, so that kind of pays tribute to my Hispanic culture. Um, so mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure um, that was someone in the title. And, you know, in my practice, I, you know, I found that I didn't fit into what I would consider your traditional uh, physical therapy clinic. Um, I really was looking to be able to blend my passion for running, coaching, and physical therapy. Um, so, you know, my hope with Air PT to PR was to kind of create a space where, you know, my clients felt like truly understood, like they were dealing with someone that's a runner themselves. And I, you know, you just get it. It's like a different 
sense of understanding um, mm-hmm. when you when you're a runner, right? Like, if, so you've been asked, "Why do you run?" Like, how many of us have been asked that question? And, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, in, in my practice, um, you know, it allows me to really, you know, have that understanding, focus on that one-on-one attention. And, you know, the whole premise behind my practice is really helping my clients and my patients, whether it's from a run coaching standpoint or from a rehab standpoint, to really mm-hmm. become clear of their goals and like show them that they can really redefine their potential. I'm sure you've seen throughout my social media, that's kind of like my, my, my how do you say mantra? Yeah. yeah, or motto. Yeah, mm-hmm. or motto. Yeah, my motto is like really redefining your potential. Um, and, you know, having my own practice has really allowed me to do that. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's always good when someone can really empathize and sympathize like where you come from as a runner. Like it's kind of hard sometimes to receive services from people that have never been in your shoes per se if that makes any sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so being able to you know work with a physical therapist that's also a runner and understanding because I find a lot of times we receive services from people sometimes and I'll just give an example like I know that I've received um physical just uh phys- fitness like a trainer like physical like trying to lose weight I've lo- I've used a trainer to receive services from but they didn't understand like the aspect of running and like how my training needed to be kind of focused around certain things because I was a runner and so I think that you it's very good to receive services from someone that can really empathize understand the body understand the obstacles that runners deal with and kind of even the even just the thoughts of like you really want to run because we know that as runners, when we get hurt, <laughs> we we don't want to hear from someone that we can't run or that we need to take a seat. So that, right. that that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, that's that's essentially when I have a, a an injured runner. You know, there's a time and place to to that we might have to stop running temporarily, mm-hmm. um, but majority of the time we can just you know tailor back a little bit and keep you running with even if it's within one mile like man that that mile mentally makes such a big difference for for a runner that's injured and kind of you know throughout the rehab process so definitely so how do you uh, how do you, how do you approach your run coaching like you know if someone was to come to you saying that they are wanting services because I'm a keen believer that not every runner uh, is ready for coaching and vice versa. Like not every coach is for every runner. How do you approach that kind of in an assessment way when you initially get clients? Yeah. So good question. So um, my biggest thing is like, like you just said, every, every, not every coach is fit to work with every athlete. Um, so, you know, when I'm onboarding someone, I, the first thing we do is just have a conversation. Typically I would prefer this to be face to face, but given COVID they've been, uh, you know, over the phone. Um, mm-hmm. but just to see, like, do we jive well? Do we get along? Like, do I feel like I can, you know, help them reach their goals? Um, mm-hmm. just basically what would be a good fit, right? Cause at the end of the day, it's, it's running such an intimate process. I feel like once went from that coaching standpoint that you need mm-hmm. to get along with them and you need to build that, um, that trust with that relationship. And obviously this is something that happens over time, but usually I, you know, I can tell, right away if you know we're going to be a good fit to work together um and then from that point you know after that initial conversation you know it's like so that first for example that first one hour conversation that we have is just getting to know the person like you know what are you trying to accomplish um what are your goals what races um 
that's obviously changed currently right now. Um, and then what I'll do is I kind of just discuss the different tiers that I offer. So, you know, I found that simplifying in terms of keeping, maintaining work-life balance, you know, with coaching, with rehab, with being a wife <laughs> and right. you know, all that stuff, like as much as I want to give all my clients hundred percent of my attention all the time, I also know that I need to, you know, for my overall long-term health, <laughs> set mm-hmm. some boundaries. So the, the coaching plans that I've developed is pretty simple. It goes anywhere from your, sil- your silver level all the way to your, to your gold level. And it's just based on how much customization you want and how much feedback you want from me, right? So like if someone is just trying to get back in shape, um, you know, I would recommend like, hey, you know, like maybe the lower level plan is good for you because it's just like, you know, getting you familiar with running, building your fitness. If someone's looking to set, for example, a PR or qualify for Boston, that, that's definitely something that takes more of a thought process with planning from a coaching standpoint, um, mm-hmm. accountability standpoint, um, and, you know, just overall discipline from both, from both ends, from the, the athlete and the coach itself. So then for them, I would recommend like the higher, more, uh, more feedback, like weekly phone calls, all, all that good stuff. So that's how, mm-hmm. how I, I base my training plans. Definitely. And while somebody is in, like, say, for instance, someone comes in and they're at a lower level training plan, and then you decide or you all together decide that you want, they want something more or need something more. Is there a flexibility to change the plan? Yeah, absolutely. It's everything, you know, tailored to them. If you know, and that's going to happen, that's, that's happened to me already. So we just have that discussion and we just transition over to, to the next level, you know, what the next Mm -hmm. year would be. So I think it's a, it's a very easy transition to make, but again, having a discussion, like, are we ready to make that jump? Um, Cause right. the training jumps, jumps significantly. So we got to take that into account. Yeah, definitely. So I know when I had, I previously had a run coach and I, I learned that I needed someone to be more physical with me, like face to face. Like I, I, I feel like I needed someone to assess my running form, assess mm-hmm like where I'm failing in regards to like, why am I top tapping out after a mile and a half? Like what is happening? Like just being more in, involved. Um, and I think that that is something that some run coaches are able to provide is, do you have any plan that allows there to be more uh, physical, like obviously with COVID that looks different right now, but you know, do any of your plans allow that availability or is it all virtual? No. So yeah, definitely like the, the higher tier plan will have in-place visits um, once, once a month. Um, but again, you know, if, for example, this is like, I feel like the beauty of being a physical therapist and a coach is because I'm not going to just abandon my athletes, right? Whatever level you're at, if you're having a concern and you, we need to meet, like we're going to meet, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Cause a big part as a coach is, you know, I'm, I'm still the same person. I'm still the coach. I'm still a therapist. So I'm constantly, you know, monitoring your you know your your injuries if there's anything developing you know and making adjustments as needed so so yeah definitely off my highest client does offer the in-person but I could you know include them in, in any level if we need to definitely definitely that makes sense definitely makes sense and that's good that that is offering for that and I, I mean I think it sounds like to me too like as a physical therapist being able to understand the physicality of the body like you can see if someone it how they're stepping and what their gait is if they're overcompensating on a certain area of their body and if they need like 
more you know stretching and foam rolling and things of that nature in certain areas you can tell uh, what that is so I think that that's a good blend of you being a run coach as well as a physical therapist yeah and like all the all the part of the onboarding process for all the levels whether you know regardless of the level that you're at you know involves with that initial in in person visit where where I am going to put you through like a runner analysis so we're going to be doing you know your treadmill gate analysis your overall um you know more physical performance tests related to running just to see where your strength with your strength deficits are you know where we can make some tweaks in your gait um because with every training plan i'm providing you with 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 some strength exercises as well just because i am like a full believer that we need to be including that as part of our training plan so i want to facilitate that regardless of what level you're at you know and i want to make it tailored to the person as well um mm -hmm. so that's in, i i provide that services in, with the run coaching nice okay and are the services monthly payments or how does how do you work with that yeah so i was uh recently just part of a, a co of a coaching cohort actually and they, they made a really good point so i switched over to a four-week block um okay four-week block payment system just to accommodate for months that are longer um mm. so basically that that just comes down to like the logistics of it <laughs> right okay and obviously you would, you know, when you communicate with a new, new athlete, if there's, depending upon their goal. So if they're trying to, i.e. get to Boston in 2022, then, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The plan will look different and like what, what, um, the, the length of time that they may be working with you directly. Yeah. And I mean, for all of them, I would recommend a minimum for like the, the lower level and the middle one, it's a minimum commitment of four months, just because that's typically the amount of time that it takes, you know, for the training to be effective and see, you know, see it, some results, right. For the higher level, I would say minimum six months. Um, and of course, that's, that's a long time to be training, you know, following the plan. So mm -hmm. we, if we got to make tweaks or, you know, it might be longer, you might be, you know, it really depends on the person, what level they're coming in at to train. Right. Okay. Now, uh, I'm sorry, Andy. You know, I had, I actually, cause I was kind of going to get away a little bit from, uh, the PT business. Only reason is because I, I kind of look through your, you know, your social media. I do it before yeah. I'd speak with anybody. I saw and that. I, <laughs> and I, I wanted to kind of get into your, how you've evolved. Um, because you, you had a post not too long ago on your Instagram about your regret from college. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. talk a little bit about, cause that was really interesting when I read the post, um, you went to FIU, right? I did. I did. Okay. You went to FIU. What was, cause in the post you talked about your dream school and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Kind of talk a little bit about that and, and how you've evolved. I guess now you feel like you are more disciplined than you were then. Um, and what you wish you would have done. Yeah. Thanks Tommy for the question. I'm getting all the feels over here. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So, <laughs> So, um, yeah, basically, you know, this was, I think it was correlated with the start of COVID and, um, you know, you just go through that natural, oh my God, I can't believe I'm getting emotional. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean no, to make you emotional. No, it's okay. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Um, so, you know, I was just reflecting a lot and like thinking of like the lack of discipline that I had back then, you know, you know, especially that freshman year of college, um, and like really like regretting like what if I was fully committed to the process and you, you know the process the training process and everything like how far I could have gone um and just the fear more so like I've always felt like I've been battling with fear like you know like most of us do like the fear of going for the stuff mm -hmm. that you want um so yeah back then um I you know I had a couple scholarship offers I you know I don't you know now that it's like 
I'm not in that sort of a more depressive state of COVID. <laughs> and I've kind of mm-hmm. come out and like really been, you know, looking at it more with a positive outlook. Um, I am grateful that I went to FIU. I've met some of my best friends through there. The coaches, you know, one of my best coaches I've had was through that program. You know, it, it just, it was the right place for me at the right time in retrospect. Um, but out of fear, I, I held back from, you know, potentially walking on to another school, you know. So that's always been kind of the back of my, my mind. Um, but again, I feel like FIU was a place for me. It's kind of led me to where I am now. So I definitely <laughs> believe in like you're meant to do what's meant for you is going to be for you. That sort of mm, mm-hmm. exactly. And I, I mean, I, I like. I mean, I didn't mean to get you emotional. I no, just wanted no, no. you to. I, I feel like because I think everybody is can be like that. Like think back and go, mm-hmm. if I had just been a little braver, if I had done this, or yeah, you know, because like, it sounds yeah. Or, well, it sounds mm-hmm. like you thought FIU was a smart choice, I guess, for you at the yeah. time. Which honestly, I, I'm I'm gonna praise you that you did the smart choice because I was the kid that did whatever and you know didn't always turn out great. So it's it's mm-hmm. good to do the smart choice and 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 like you said, it's led you to where you are now. Yeah, it was it was definitely the, the smart choice at the time. And hey, FIU did an amazing job at taking us to some pretty competitive meets, like you know, Mount Sacrilis in California. You know, we we had some. They did a really good job to go out of the way and take us to competitive meets. Um, so hands down, looking back, like I said, happy to have gone there um, and been able to stay in my hometown and see my family. So that was great. Well, that was going to be my next thing. So you're, you're from Florida, which is, which is great. How did you actually, and, and I'm sorry if you, you mentioned it in the, uh, in the lead up to this, how did you actually end up in Atlanta? So I got married. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That'll yes. do it. Yeah, that'll do it. So I was at uh, Miami, um, basically met, met my wife down there. And uh, six, six months later after we met, I, I made the move to Atlanta. Um, wow. Yeah, it was quick. It was a quick uh, <laughs> engagement, love at first sight type of thing that happened to me. So <laughs> Great. Well, and congratulations. She was already, right. Thank she you. was already living here, right? Yeah, she had been okay. in Atlanta for almost 10 years. She was just literally down there one weekend visiting the best friend. And we happened to meet at a party. Wow. Look I love you. it. <laughs> Thank you. What, so how do you like, I mean, what's the, the transition from Florida to Atlanta? How was that? Especially like, I mean, everything, but also running. Like, what was that kind of transition like? Oh, gosh, Tommy, the first race I ran out here, I think it was like about a month after I moved here in November, which was the turkey trot in, uh, uh, you know, for Thanksgiving, which was at, at that point was uh, where the Brave Stadium was, right, I believe. Um, uh-huh. I thought I was going to die because I'm not used to running on hills. <laughs> so, um, so that was the biggest thing, just getting, just getting used to the terrain. Like Miami, Miami is as flat as you can be. If, if you wanted to go run hills, um, we would literally go train at what was, it's a park that used to be a, a trash dumping site and they mm. just turned it into a park. Um, so yeah, the biggest transition was just adjusting it to the terrain, the hills. It took me a while to get to get accustomed to running to that. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, I could understand that. I'm originally from Florida too. I'm from Orlando, so I know oh, what you mean by you being go? flat. Yeah, and then Atlanta, hilly, hilly, <laughs> hilly. But um, it it uh, do you like the weather here better? Did you like it better in Florida? What about the um? I'm assuming in or in Florida, you were also kind of involved in the running scene. How does that differ? here in Atlanta yeah. compared to it is in Florida. Absolutely, yeah. So the weather, I, I love having seasons. That was new for me. As you know, being from Florida, we don't have seasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's nice to have winter actually 
need to use my, my, my boots, <laughs> not in like 70 degree weather. Um, and then in terms of the running community, you know, I was definitely, you know, my, my, that was my, my people in Miami, right? Like the running community, that's your, I grew up there, raced there. Like I would always, you know, after college, go to high school meets, I was coaching down in Miami. So I definitely, you know, felt that sense of like, I lost, you know, like my identity as a runner when I moved here. Um, and so I, I did find that Atlanta truck club, like my, my wife was like, Hey, you know, this is the big running club here. Um, so I joined immediately once I moved here and right away from the first group and I met, um, I found my, my really close running buddies from that group, um, until today. Mm. Um, so Atlanta track club definitely gave me that running community back and, um, you know, meeting Tess and funny enough, Tess was my, was my wife's, um, one of her basketball coaches in college. Mm. So that's how, yeah, that's how I met Tess. So then of course I met Tess, got involved, you know, with her running community. And then, you know, now, now I feel like Atlanta is home. Um, and the running community is like literally running city USA. That's why we're called that. Mm-hmm. That's good. And speaking of tests, you ran the race. And for those that don't uh, are new to our podcast, the race is a race that we love, absolutely love. Tess is a race director here in Atlanta. And Danny ran the 2018 race and came in third for the half marathon. So congratulations on that, Danny. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that is exciting because it's a that course is will definitely yeah. tell you about your uh, <laughs> your fitness. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Um, I did not know the course was like that. Um, and like I mentioned at the time, I was dealing with an Achilles issue, which, as you may know, is hills are not the best for Achilles issues. So it was it was quite an interesting race. And uh, not to mention, I tried to go out with uh, Shawana, which, you know, she's an, an incredible, super gifted runner. Yes. Um, but it was fun. It, it was fun. It was fun to do. And uh uh, you know, just excited to be part of such a meaningful race, um, which is something that, you know, I feel very passionate about as well. So mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. Now, speaking of like Achilles issues, like what helped you to kind of overcome, obviously being a physical therapist, but I find that Achilles issues is something that's pretty common when it, I want to say common, but you know, I think enough runners have dealt with Achilles issues. What do you think kind of sparks that or, and is very helpful for recovery on that? Yeah, and you know, Achilles issues too, I kind of identify the, the pinpoint of where it started is a little bit, it's a little bit hard to do because it could be something that's progressing over time and you don't necessarily develop symptoms until later on. Um, and then, you know, for me, what I found effective at the time, and this is, tip, you know, typically what an Achilles rehab program should look like is you're gradually trying to build up that strength back in the tendon. So you want to continuously load it. So heavy, mm-hmm. slow resistance training is, is what's key for, you know, for that Achilles um, rehab. Um, so at the point that, that I was at, though, you know, I, I, I made a conscious decision to keep training when I should have stopped um, just because the race was coming up. And I had already been, you know, more than halfway through my training cycle. So at that point, you know, the runner in me outweighed the physical therapist in me. <laughs> so <laughs> I, <laughs> I kept running. <laughs> ran the race and once I was done with the race I stopped running um and I started rehabbing and then I gradually um introduced uh re- running back back into my into my uh, routine so but it was definitely a process that took me about six months to fully recover from mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that's that's very important. I, again, I think a lot of runners don't like to take time off and allowing injuries to heal, especially like just something that may be a little, oh, that doesn't feel right, like hamstrings, right? Like I think mm-hmm. people try to kind of continue to push through those and you know, sometimes IT band issues like myself. Um, what do you think, like, what's your thoughts on kind of running through pain versus like really going to get some assistance with things? Because I think sometimes we damage ourselves even more. My thoughts is we damage ourselves more by pushing through. What do you think? Yeah, so um, the way I like to explain pain, you know, whether, you know, you're a running client or, or someone that's returning to run from injury is just, kind of get you to understand that pain doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing at all times. Um, so, I, you know, there's a scale. Uh, it's called the, your numerical pain rating scale. And I'm sure you're familiar with it where zero is no pain and 10 is the worst imaginable pain. Like, you know, you have to go to the hospital, for example. Um, so we break that down. We break that scale down. Let's say from zero to two, I would consider your safe zone. So kind of what you're looking for is that you have some pain to no pain during and after the running. So at that point, you're like, okay, maybe you're okay to continue the running. Once you get to the the level of like three to five, that's kind of where like some yellow flags should be going off. Like, all right, just caution, pay attention to it. So it's still okay to be within that zone as long as your pain's coming back to your baseline pain level. So for example, zero to one out of 10 pain is your baseline in 24 hours. And it's not leading to any sort of limping or affecting stuff from daily living, right? So like limping, sleeping, anything that you would do in regular life. Once you get into those higher levels, so like six to 10 pain, I would say that that's generally the time that you want to sort of, especially if you're doing a run, you might want to stop and just walk it back and, you know, maybe reach out to, you know, your physical therapist or whatever physician you've been working with just to, you know, get a better understanding of what type of pain you're experiencing. And if you, if you need a, you know, be seen for consult or whatnot. Um, and you know, you're in those levels. If you're finding yourself that you're taking like any sort of pain medication and you're constantly waking up limping, that should definitely be throwing out some red flags. Um, so those are kind of like the ground rules that I, you know, I follow when, um, coming to pain and running. Um, and then it's like also understanding like what type of pain is it? Like, do you have a sharp pain? Do you have a dull pain? Is it getting worse as you're running? Um, and I'm going to kind of give a blur on uh, uh, like understanding bone stress injuries, bone stress injuries for a quick second. Um, also, my wife, she is actually dealing with one of these as we speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so a quick snippet. So I think it's important that, you know, people understand this is a bone stress injury could be anywhere from a stress reaction to a full blown, full blown fracture. Right. Um, so typically how that presents, it's the pain's going to get progressively worse as you run. It's not going to go away until you stop running. And then there's going to be a specific area that's a specific focal area that if, if I were to press on it, it's just going to light you up every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're at that point, you want to definitely stop running and then go seek, go seek some help, uh, some help mm-hmm. before it develops into a full bone fracture. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely want to bring that to people's attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think sometimes, and I know, Tommy, you and I have talked before about kind of seeing injuries or feeling like stuff isn't doing well and either we take time off or we just kind of try to push through and you just hope that it's not <laughs> you <laughs> hope that it's not anything serious yeah yeah um definitely India I'm with you on that when I know I've done it 
I know I think I just I ran through one recently where I was having pain and I just said, you know what, I'm going to rest a little bit and then see what happens. But um, I, I'm with you on what you were saying about pain levels and things like that, because and also I think now that I know you, I would feel more comfortable. You know, no, we've never met in person, but speaking with you and hearing you talk about how you do things. I would feel more comfortable talking to you. Whereas when I think about going to PT and I think about going to, you know, Emory or, you know, whoever I'm yeah. thinking about, I don't know anybody in there. I don't feel comfortable and I don't know if they're going to have my best interests at heart. So mm -hmm. I, I think that has a lot to do with it too. Why a lot of people don't end up going and seek help because they don't have a good relationship with anybody in the medical community. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then the other thing, like I said, even for myself as and I'm, I'm guilty as this. Again, I'm a physical therapist. I, I, I should know this stuff, but I'm still a runner first. Like that's what I've been majority of my life um, is that if you go to see most people, they're going to tell you to stop running. So it's like, we don't want to really hear that, you know? And again, there's a time and place for that. For example, in the case of a, a bone stress injury, you need to stop running. Uh, but for majority of the stuff, we can probably keep you at some sort of level of running. Um, so I think, I think that's big for me. That's been kind of what's deterred me in the past from going to seek care. <laughs> Definitely. I think that's one of the biggest fears is that, you know, cause we, we talk about how running is some people consider running as therapy and like telling me that I can't run at all is, is like the worst thing that anybody wants to hear and so they don't they fear going to a doctor because they don't want that response to be given so they just try to work it out and i think just in general i think as individuals we hope that epsom salt baths and salt baths and you know ice baths and all that good stuff you know can work out all the kinks but that's not always the case right right yep not always the case <laughs> yeah so, sorry I, there was go ahead i'm sorry no, I was say the other thing is, you know, for most runners have the tendency to do exactly what you guys just described, which is like, once they feel a pain, just stop and rest, like full blown rest. And a lot of times it's like I said, doing the other things that are really going to help you to, you know, increase your tolerance for running. So cue in like the strength training. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if, during the resting time doesn't mean you can do other stuff. You can still, you know, do cycling, you could do swimming. Um, you might need to back off the running, but you, you want to keep moving. You want to do as, as much movement as you can to stay active. So, right. So what do you think is the biggest things that runners neglect, um, in regards to just being a runner in general, maybe, it, you know, for me, I know that I have to do better with my recovery around foam rolling and stretching. What do you feel like are maybe the top two things or three things that runners kind of should do better with and that usually are neg being neglected? Um, yeah, so I would say top, top three. Um, definitely number one would be, I feel like most runners tend to run majority of the runs at too high of an effort. Um, and mm. that's not necessarily what they need to be doing to like reap the benefits of, of training. Um, so that's number one. So a lot of, you know, especially now in the summer, this is when you posted the other day, I was like, yes, like, you know, you should be running by effort and effort in the heat because mm -hmm. it's just different. It's, it's harder, um, from every standpoint to run it when it's hot. Um, mm -hmm. so I would say, you know, take, you know, take it easy, do most of your runs at a pace that's conversational you know, with your two, you know, your one to two days where it's more specific towards, towards speed work. Right. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing would be 
as runners, we should be running majority of the time, but the other, the other part of the time, I would say it does need to be dedicated to strength training. And, you know, most runners are, 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 we know, we just neglect this. And I feel that it's not because we, we know we need to do it. I think it's more of a, we get overwhelmed with having to add an extra, like an additional thing to our our training regimen. Definitely will agree with that. Yes. You know what I mean? And, and then also like a lot of runners have this idea that of like strength training is like, you got to go to the gym and spend like an hour and like lift, you know, do all this Mm -hmm. crazy stuff when you can really get an effective strength training session that's tailored to running in like 30 minutes, just focusing on like the key muscles that you're using when you're running. Right. So like Mm -hmm. your lateral hips, your quads and your calves. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think if if we simplify, you know, the strength training process for runners, more runners would, you know, would be more compliant to do it and reap the benefits of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that would be is, is overall just, you know, sleep, make sure that you're eating right, like all the other things mm-hmm. that for overall wellness, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are my top three recommend recommendations in terms of, yeah. you know, things that runners should be doing or that they do neglect. Yeah. Tommy and, and Tommy and I are over here, amen and over here in yes. regards to the strength training. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. I mean, when you're trying to run like four times a week and then you're like, yeah. okay, when am I going to fit in? But like you said, if you just want to get in the stuff for running, you're not trying to go to the gym and, you know, turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, right. you, 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 you can be okay and get that 30 minutes, which I completely understand. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's definitely that mindset. And I was just telling my friend January that today I said, I feel like when I increase my miles, I decrease my strength training. But when my miles are lower, I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, I can go strength train today or I can go cross train today. And it's like trying to find that balance with higher miles in a month along with strength training without doing two-a-days and things like that. Like it just becomes, like you said, like I think we, we, we overwhelm ourselves with how much we have to do. And then you can't forget about eating right. And then you can't forget about strength, uh, about stretching and foam rolling. So it's like- Or like sleeping. <laughs> Yes, yes, or sleep. Like, where do you sleep in the, in the midst of all of that other stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously, strength training has a time and place. If you're in, like, you know, if you break up the training cycle, um, you know, at the begin- beginning where you're building your base, like, that's when you should be really, you know, focusing on the strength training. Once you flip over to closer to your race, like, the strength training takes less of a priority. So maybe once a week is, is sufficient, right? Um, but I think I, I would recommend that if you could at least get two strength sessions in a week while you're building your base, that's, that's great. And if, you know, once you transition over to, you know, closer to your racing period, um, once a week, that's, that's good as well. Mm. So some is better than none. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Yes. I mm. promise to do two times a week now. I am going to do it. Uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I said, I'll I've been doing the same. Yeah. I'll look two forward to your social week. media post. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And not uh, neglecting the rest of your body either. I neglect core and arms. Like you can't just do legs as runners, like core, arms, all that stuff is important too. And I think that that's something that in my mind, I neglect as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, just like planks are so, so they're boring. I get it but they're just like a whole overall really good, um, (laughs) for your body. (laughs) They work everything. Mm-hmm. And with all these exercises, you know, as long as you're, you're, you're going to be engaging your, your abdominals, you're going to be using it. Um, but it, it definitely doesn't hurt to do some stuff targeted specific for them. So, right. 
I'm sorry, Tommy, I cut you off. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I was just going to ask, like, what are you, what's your plans for your future, uh, Dr. Danny, as far as running? Like, do you have, once we get out of this whole lockdown, did you, do you have any goals that you're trying to reach as far as races and that sort of thing? Yeah. So, um, first things first is, um, I actually, um, I'm going to start working with a, with a dietitian. Um, mm. I've never, I've never worked with someone. Um, and I, I kind of express, express, express to her, like, I'm going to be 30. I know I'm still young. I get it. <laughs> but I mm -hmm. feel like if I, if I still want to accomplish some, some running, like these are my years that I should be working on that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would love Tommy, I would love to be able to, you know, catch up with, with my own coach again and um, try to break 17 for the 5k. That's just a goal I've had since I, I left college Okay. Um, and break three hours for the marathon. So I would say those are my two goals. I don't have a race planned yet. Um, right now, my, my priority has been, um, you know, uh, opening up um, my practice mm -hmm. um, and just getting accustomed to, you know, that life work balance and, um, and getting my overall health health back in terms of nutrition and um mm -hmm. you know dealing with stress all that stuff before i i feel like i'm ready to you start a new training cycle nice nice i think that, that those are awesome goals and you i mean you how many times have you run boston uh twice i ran okay. it in 2018 and i ran in 2018 in the terrible freezing pouring rain and <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. so yeah. I'm sure that that was one that was on your on your to do on your goal list at that point it was it was and uh it was it was a despite the weather it was an incredible experience um so and then the next year we we paced one of one of my running buddies from Atlanta and um she ended up having a fever she had gotten sick by her by um you know by a family member and um Halfway through the marathon, she's like, guys, I'm really boiling hot, but we finished. So that's what matters. Yes. Yeah, that's definitely what matters. Gutting yeah. it out. Absolutely. Now, Danny, if you had anything that you wanted, I mean, we've, we've talked about a lot of things uh, on the podcast, but if you had anything else that you would like to say to our listening audience that you would want them to know, what would that be? Hmm. About anything, anything, <laughs> anything, um, at all. anything at all. I think at the state <laughs> that I'm currently at, I, I would definitely say that, um, you know, if you, if you have some, some, some running goals, um, you know, don't be uh, deterred to pursue those goals. There's definitely, you know, the guidance out there to help you reach them. Um, mm -hmm. And just really, just, just really enjoy running. Like it's such a gift to be able to run um, just, so many people aren't able to, you know, run. I'm thinking like the physical therapy, you know, people that physically can't run. Um, so mm -hmm. don't take a run for, for granted. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I would definitely say that. Just enjoy the process. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting that you said that because I was, I was thinking the other day about just the, the term everybody can run. And we know that mm -hmm. bodies, different bodies can run, but there, there is a population out there that people that, that just can't. Um, and mm -hmm. I just think that it just really takes you back to those days where you run and it may be a hard run or maybe a frustrating run or it may not be the pace that you want and maybe, you know, whatever. We come up with so many different things that we could call wrong um, on bad days. But like you said, just the fact that you can get out there and you can take those steps is a win and a victory. Absolutely. Yep. 
definitely. Well, Danny, I truly enjoyed talking to you. I had so many other questions, but it was probably just <laughs> my, uh, listen, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop asking so many questions. This is probably me. I just need to sign up for some services. So I can get some <laughs> See, India's Indy trying to get that free lesson, like that free session. Yeah. So, so if I hurt right here, Danny, if I, if I hurt right here, what listen, would I have to do? I had you know? so many questions because my biggest injury is the IT band and I was going to go in on some questions. I'm like, you know what? Let me just, you know, I, let me not take up this podcast to be, uh, be personal with the questions. <laughs> you know, India, but you, you have my number. Just just call me, you know, for every person that I, I might work with, you know, I, I definitely hop on the phone call with them and just see if there's some tip, you know, something that I can help them and mm -hmm. that they might not necessarily need physical therapy, you know, so mm -hmm. happy to, you know, give me a call and we'll, we'll chat about it. <laughs> okay, I will. I will accept that. Yes. Now, now, Dr. Danny, of course, we, we our listeners are going to want to be able to get in touch with you. So Give us your, your contact. So your, you know, your social media, your phone number, if you want to give it out, it's up to you. But um, how would they get in touch with you or how would they follow you? Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm, uh, as you can find me at air. So A-I-R-E dot P-T to P-R. Um, so that's my uh, Instagram handle. And then for Facebook, you could just write air, air P-T to P-R. Um, and then if you do want to book, a you know, a complimentary phone call, just visit my website, um, www.airptdpr.com. And, um, you can fill out the, the contact me form and, you know, you'll be getting an email from me to schedule a call. Oh, and before, I mean, I thought I was just about to forget the group run. I don't know. Did we talk about that? The little old. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah no. Let's not forget that. So I just, yeah, I saw that you posted that. So talk a little bit about that and how that came about with, uh, with run social. Yeah, so like I said, you know, Tess, uh, I was supposed to be a race series sponsor for, for this year. Um, and, you know, the big old group run obviously can't happen. It's a little bit too big. Um, so she literally had this idea to do a bunch of Lolo group runs. And um, naturally, you know, I, I she asked me and I was like, of course, I'm happy to host one. So the one at my studio is going to be August 20th. We're meeting at 630. Um, and I actually connected with my abuela's food. They're a Puerto Rican um, uh, restaurant it's a brother and a sister that literally just started it right before COVID as well um, in a brick and mortar before then they were doing um, pop-ups um, so they're going to be having some food specials and drink specials after the run um, and they have a big if you've ever been to Studio Plex Lofts there's like a big outdoor area so that we can you know eat and like be socially distanced as well oh, um, so yeah nice. definitely come by and check it out you, you yeah, got me so with you got me with drink winning. specials as soon as you said yes. drink specials I'm like okay <laughs> That sounds like my kind of party. <laughs> All right. So if you're in Atlanta area, definitely check um, check that group run out. That's going to be awesome. And obviously, Dr. Danny's services. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Come on by. If you're just in the neighborhood, just stop by. Happy to, you know, connect with more people from the running community. Yes. And you are located in the old Fort Ford area. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So, Definitely. yeah. So, right, right. Um, it's Studio Plex Loft. So, it's... um right behind that new extension of the Bell Line where Nina and Rafi's is, um, yeah, that new branch of restaurants. Awesome. Okay, awesome. okay. I know, I think I know exactly where you, I used to live over in that area, so I know exactly where you're talking about. It is a nice yeah. area. Yeah, 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 and it's right on the Bell Line, which is exactly why I jumped on the space, because <laughs> I, I want to host group runs, and I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. So, right, definitely. Well, you are absolutely awesome. And of course, uh, again, a, a fellow Atlanta Track Club ambassador. So I love you to yeah. pieces. <laughs> so we appreciate you coming on the podcast.
No, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I, you know, I, I love sharing my, my love for running um, and just being a resource for the running community. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for taking time out of your day, uh, Dr. Danny. And we really appreciate it. Really enjoy speaking with you. All right. I'll be hitting you up, Danny. Yes, Tommy, <laughs> nice to officially um, meet you. I've heard about you, um, but nice to officially talk to you and hope to meet you at this group run. Oh, definitely. I will definitely be there. <laughs> but thanks again. And, and we, we definitely might, you know, we might have to hit you up again for some advice on certain things that we need some expert uh, mm -hmm. advice on things. So we might hit you up again to talk with us. For sure. Happy to help. Thank you. You're welcome. Take care. Bye. What a great interview, Dr. Danny. She was great. Yes, she is amazing and just like a buttload of knowledge, which is like who who doesn't want to talk to somebody that just has all the knowledge? And it's so personal about personable as well, which is what I love. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I, I liked what you said about I will feel more comfortable talking to someone about running who is a runner, who understands mm -hmm. what I'm going through, who understands how much I don't want to stop running. So I, I definitely uh, would, would like that better than just talking to somebody who, you know, is a personal, you know, a, a physical therapist that has no idea what it's like to run a marathon or even, a mm -hmm. you know, a 10K or whatever. So definitely, definitely. So India, another great show. Yes, yes, it was great. Yes, so um, if they want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Yes, so if you would like to send me an email, you can hit me up at milesfromindia at gmail.com. Um, you can also see, find me on Instagram at I underscore of underscore indigo, which is E-N-D-I-G-O underscore runs, or I also have a page, Miles From India. So you can find me at those two places, and on Facebook, it's just India Cook. And you can get me on e uh, for email. It's Thomas W. Mitchell, the number two at gmail.com. Uh, Instagram is tmitch68. And then, of course, the, the Run Duo uh, Instagram. You can always DM us there. All right? Yes. So, very good episode. And we will see you guys in two weeks. In two weeks. Peace. Bye.